to get to introduce our speaker today, who needs no introduction. Uh, he's our president and our dean and our teacher and our friend and our mentor, and he's going to bring the message for us today, and I'm going to pray for him before, before we go. So uh, we're just going to pray for him. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time, and we thank you for, for Dr. Gardner. We pray that the words he speaks to us would be from you, through him, and to our hearts, and that whatever message you have for each of us today would be delivered to us through the words of Harry and implanted at the very core of our being, that you would change us. We give this time to you. We lift Dr. Gardner up to you and pray that you use this time for your purpose and your glory. It's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Chris. I've been living with Elijah this summer because the African Association asked me to bring two messages from this passage of Scripture. There are many more than two messages from this passage of Scripture. But I've been living with him, thinking about him, thinking about the people that he lived with at this time. What would it have been like to have been a prophet at that time? I've been zeroing in, and I'd like to go back there, but I want to share with you something I haven't shared with them, which is there's so much here about leadership. There's so much that we can glean from this Old Testament passage about being a leader, being a prophet. And I thought, as we begin, since I've done all that work already, that I should on the first <laughs> chapel offer to you some of the thoughts that I have. So, I'm going to need Keith to remind me of time. So, Keith, you just remind me when we get about, oh, we've got probably, I'm going to say about 12 minutes is all we have today. So, if you can remind me of that, I have to come back again. Hi, Sheila. Just saw you. Good to see you, Sheila. <laughs> Sheila was with us for many years. Worked with me as my assistant. Now, front, thanks for being here today. Eleven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we have a good time together here. Okay. I don't know if you know or not, but this summer has been the hottest, driest summer for many places in Nova Scotia. I read recently that in Yarmouth County, the longest, driest summer they've had since 1880. Wells are drying up. Forest fires have been rampant in the province, on the south shore where I came from, and then where I studied in California, not far from Fuller Seminary, tremendous drought that's been plaguing certain areas of Southern California now for several years. Now, I don't think any of us are prepared today, I'm not, to say that this is the judgment of God upon Yarmouth County or upon Nova Scotia, that we haven't had any water. Yet there was a particular time in the history of Israel when, in fact, God told a prophet by the name of Elijah to go to a king and tell him that there wouldn't be any water. There was going to be an incredible drought which eventually brought on a famine. And it was done because God wanted to get the attention of the people. He wanted them to repent and to turn back to him. And sometimes we have this image of our God in the Old Testament as some kind of a God that's different than the God in the New. And I suppose Glenn deals with that in his work in the Old Testament. But you'll find it's the same God. And the mercy and the grace of God that we find exhibited in Jesus Christ is exhibited all through the Old Testament in the way that God dealt with his people. So God chose a man by the name of Elijah, who we don't hear much about from an earlier part, we just hear about Elijah, he just appears on the scene, there he is, he's to go to the king. By the way, this particular king, it says in scripture, did more evil, this king of Israel, did more evil than any other king 
previously. Now God who sees all, God was noting. Now what was it in particular that God had against Ahab, who was the king of Israel? Well, we find in scripture that Ahab had married a woman from Sidon who brought her religion with her and the king said, well, okay, my dear, I can just imagine the conversation, it'll be all right. You come along, oh, you want to bring prophets with you from the gods of, not Yahweh, but Baal? Well, I've heard about them, said Ahab, I'm sure the conversations were something like that as they were eating. And she said, by the way, I'd like to have a temple uh, to Baal as well. And the Asherah pole, and you can read all about this business. But what happened was, what really happened was this. The leader of the people, the king, who had a responsibility to be a steward and a shepherd, that's what we find in Israel, the kings were to be the shepherds of their people, he allowed the supremacy of the belief in God to go to another other than Yahweh. And not only did he allow his wife to bring the prophets of Baal with her, he erected the temple and the people followed the king. And this got God's attention, and he said, no more. I'm going to send a drought. There will be no rain. And by the way, there wouldn't even be fog. If I were preaching this in Yarmouth, I'd say, folks, there wasn't even fog. <laughs> there was no dew. There was nothing. There was not a drop. And this went on for a period of time. But it was a prophet who God chose to go to the king and say, tell Ahab, this is how it's going to be for a period of time. Now, it's too long a story. We don't have time to get into all that. If you know the story of Elijah, it's most, one of the most central stories in the Old Testament. We were in Israel in May. We traveled up the coast, if you imagine Tel Aviv being right on the Mediterranean. If you go north from there, you'll come to the region of Carmel. It's where all these mountains are. It would have been there that this huge event took place because God said, okay, Ahab, it's time after about three years of waiting. Now you can go back to the king. Elijah would have been hunted. He was in exile. He was down by a brook for a while. That brook dried up. He was then taken care of. It's, it's quite an amazing story. And God said, finally, okay, we're going to have the contest. Now, you need to understand something as leaders. Some of you will be called to be prophets. But let I say to you, in your preparation of theological education, you best count on this book right here. You best count on this book. If you think you have a word from the Lord for your people, you best count on this book. There is a reason why in most of our Protestant churches that the pulpit is in the center. It's there because we find the authority of the Word of God. It's not about the preacher. It's about the Word. You think you have a word from the Lord for people? It better be grounded in this book. You think you have something from the Spirit that's different? From this book, I'd say it's not from the Spirit of the Lord. You are being called into a ministry to speak on behalf of God to the people of God, and they will follow you. Be sure it's here. Well researched, well thought through, your hermeneutic is done well. Your homiletic will appear well. Do the work to speak on behalf of God. Do the work. It's your responsibility. Elijah did the work. He heard from God. 
Then there was this contest, which we don't have time to get into, this amazing contest on Carmel where the gods, you know, the prophets of Baal, they did all that they could. They erected this altar. And Elijah told them the way it was going to be and how they danced around it from early morning till noon. They pranced and danced. They did all kinds of things. They showed it. They cut themselves. They bled probably some of them to death. I don't know. It was quite a sight up there on Carmel. And Elijah had already said, the God who answers by fire, he is the Lord. So they went all through the day and finally, you have this beautiful prayer of Elijah. You need to read the prayer. I couldn't get anywhere further than this beautiful prayer where Elijah says, Lord God, come now. This is his turn. His turn. Come and show your mercy that the hearts of the people will turn back to you. That's what the drug was about. That's what the famine was about. I'm not suggesting to you if you're going through a drug of some kind in your life that God sent it, but I'll tell you he can use it because the scripture says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Ask yourself, in the context of your life, what is God doing with me right now? In the context of your pastoral leadership, ask what's the message that God would have from his word for the people right now. Elijah didn't call down fire from heaven. I've heard that said so many times. He prayed to God. And it was God's mercy. And the scripture is very clear what happens. Beautiful thing. says that the fire of God came out of the atmosphere actually. Just wham. I've heard all kinds of explanations about metaphysics and how this worked. And molecular structures and all that. All I know is that God sent the fire. It says it consumed the altar. It consumed the rocks. It consumed not only the wood. It consumed all the, the water. They drenched it with water. And the fire came. Consumed it all. And the people bowed down and said, Yahweh is Lord. Yahweh is Lord. Then Elijah went because, you know, there had been no rain for three years. The fire came. He goes to prayer. Then what happens? You know what? He didn't just pray once. You think, God, you told me you're going to send rain. How many times he prayed? And he prayed and he prayed finally. Out over the Mediterranean. Met Glenn, and I can imagine being up there in those mountains. I've been on them. I've looked and seen the Mediterranean. Sheila, you were there. Who else? Been with us, Israel. Okay, John, others of you, of course. You can see the Mediterranean. That's where the rains come from. Those little cloud forms. Just a little cloud. Messenger comes back. There's a little cloud. Just a little cloud. Elijah goes to prayer. They were drenched with rain. Those chariots would have been stuck in the mud. But Elijah, filled with the Spirit, runs on to Jezreel. Word goes back. All these people bound down to Yahweh. Yahweh's God. Yahweh's God. Yahweh's God. Elijah thinks he's got a good friend and they have to have a meal together. You can go home now, he says. It's all good. He went home all right. He went home to go to Jezebel because there's a story there. It's awful. It's gory. It's great. It's terrible. He had the prophets of Baal executed. Let's just pause on that for just a second. goes down to Jezreel after this great experience of not the execution but the power of God people are getting back to rights with God see Baal is all about syncretism we're living in a society where to be Christian is also to welcome everything else in 
Some of you will be missionaries. You'll go to certain countries where animism is very popular. You'll go where you can be a Christian, but yeah, let's bring that in too. And we'll bring that over. And we'll have this and we'll have that. But what happened in Israel, God had put up with this, Glenn, in other points in, in the history of Israel. Because they brought this, that, and something else. But this time, the gods of Baal became central. And God will not put up with that. I'm going to ask you this morning, who's central in your life? What are you bringing in? Jesus and somebody else and something else and something else? Might be good. I studied Baha'ism when I was at Dalhousie. I was quite attracted to it. Intellectually, it makes sense. Why not take the good of all the religions of the world? It is good. There's good in all the religions of the world. But God dwells in fullness in His Son. All the fullness of the God who dwells bodily in Jesus we say as Baptist people, and many Christian Protestant groups say, Jesus is Lord. It's not Jesus is Lord and somebody else. It's Jesus is Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Only Jesus. There is one name given under heaven among the peoples of the earth that they may be saved. Paul said, who is it? Jesus. Is it Jesus plus? Jesus plus. Is there good in others? Yes, of course. Should we be working with others? You bet we should be working for the good of all. But make no mistake about it. No mistake. The Word became flesh in Jesus. You want syncretism? Expect the judgment of God. That's a heavy word. You want to be a pastoral leader and add in something else? I cannot see how your ministry will flourish. This leader goes down there, thrilled at what, what God has done. Then he gets the word from Jezebel, she's going to have his life. Now, lest you say, oh, he saw the, the fire from heaven, and why couldn't he stand up to a woman? I've heard this preached. This man, I believe, and you can have it, John's a psychologist, you can figure this out. I mean, there have been all kinds of people analyze Elijah. The man was burnt out. He was crushed. Remember I said he had the, the prophets of Baal executed? Think about this for a minute. This was not an easy thing. It's not always an easy thing to do the right thing. I'm not suggesting anybody go out and execute anybody. <laughs> Please don't do that in your pastor ministry. There will be people you think God of blessed removal would be fine. <laughs> he was hurting. You know what? He ran. He ran. And what I want to say to you this afternoon, it's probably that time now, is, and i got to wrap it up, haven't I? Yes! You should have been going here. <laughs> i got to wrap it up fast because we got to... We want to pray, I'm sorry. Do you know what, my friends? He ran. Some of you have run. I've run. I've run away. The blessing of God came upon the people of Israel. Short-lived then. They went back to other things. The leader left. The leader failed. Did the leader fail? He failed. He failed. He ran. But did God come after him with a club? I would think maybe we should have read that down further. The Lord God came down from heaven upon Elijah and said, blah, 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 blah. Jesus is merciful. God is merciful. What happened to Elijah? He says, take my life. I'm under a little broom. You know how big a broom planted? Just a little thing. 
There'll be no shade. Way out in the desert. You can read all about it. He's ready to die. He's ready to give it up. Done! And the angel of the Lord came, cooked him a cake, <laughs> had a lovely jar of water out there in the desert, woke him up. Thank you, Samantha, for that. Woke him up. You're going to always remember that. Get up and eat. And have a good sleep. Then he nudged him again. Get up and eat. Go back to sleep. Balance. Rest. Proper things to eat. I like cake. Um. <laughs> but do you get the drift of how simple this is? Do you understand, like, proper eating, proper rest, perspective? Did Elijah lose the opportunity to give leadership? He did. Israel went on another direction, but he had accomplished what God set out to do with Ahab. It's another long story. Oh, friends, we'll wrap it up. I'll just say this. You're going to go through times where you're going to see great and wondrous things. And right after them, be ready for the battle. We've got to close. I want to encourage you this morning in your leadership. Trust the Lord. He is the Lord. No other. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you dealt with Elijah mercifully and you had another plan for him because... It might not have been the one that we would think, but you had a plan for him. You pick us up and you use us. If there are detours, you put us back on the path. And Lord, this morning for everyone in this room, may they know your hand on their lives to lead your people according to your word, making Jesus the supreme Lord of life. Lord, help us to know how to lead well and to take good care of ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.